From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello, hello, it's Elizabeth here, and welcome back to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Today, I have a very special guest on. Her name is Kiki Roca. Rocha. It's Rocha, isn't it? I was so distracted <laughs> by the rolling my R that I <laughs> you you did great. Though. My tutorial. You did great. Yeah, it's like the cha-cha, you know? I Rocha. love it so much. She told me I could roll my tongue, even though I'm abysmal at it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> Kiki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. This has been a long time in the making, and I'm just so stoked to be here with you guys in this space. I love it. So Kiki has a lot of incredible things going on. I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a minute. Um, But I am really excited to have her here because we met online initially, and then she was able to come up to the Theology of the Body Institute this past summer where I had just started working. She came twice. Yeah, she came again in the fall. Um, But she came up right after I started working here, and I immediately recognized her gorgeous smile, and she has the best hair I've ever seen on anyone ever. And she walked in the room, and I was like, oh, I know you so I like went up to her (laughs) this is true (laughs) but she was very sweet it was my um enthusiasm (laughs) yeah Elizabeth yes you have (laughs) hospitality like the way you welcome people is unparalleled so praise the lord for that (laughs) you're so sweet well will you go ahead and um so we're going to be talking y'all about courage and freedom in this episode her kiki story is phenomenal and the incredible healing that she has been able to achieve through the merciful love of christ is phenomenal so i'm so excited for her to share her story and then to dive into talking about courage and freedom in your life and in your dating life so kiki Can you give us an introduction on all the amazing things that you have going on and all the wonderful things that you're doing in your work? And then we can kind of dive into what we want to talk about today. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm just so passionate about human sexuality and dating and like just the mystery of being a woman and being a man and like then being in communion together. So I became a dating and sexual integrity coach. Um, My coaching career started right after I was a culture project missionary, which as many of you guys know, if you know the culture project, you know that it's very much steered by John Paul II's TOB. Um, I love that mission. And so being inspired by that, having given talks on TOB, um, you know, going into classrooms, I actually had a lot of heartache knowing that I would be leaving the students right after the talk. And part of me yearned to want to continue uh, walking alongside them, especially the ladies. So I took part of that, um, Elizabeth, and then I became a woman's school strategist right after. And so, so tell us what the woman's school is world of for coaching. people who don't know. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted absolutely. you. Tell us what the woman's school is. I know that you said you do coaching yes. them, but tell yes, us about the woman's yes, school. Yes. So the, so the one school is a school of human formation for women. Um, we are on a mission to restore the culture one woman's worth at a time. So it's very much inviting women to look at their self-image, um, to look at the dreams in their heart, um, and really do all the work with the Lord when it comes to rewiring your self-worth in order to be the best woman that you can be for others. So really, really beautiful work. So I, I've been a strategist, still a strategist, but I took some of what the women's school introduced 
exposed me to. And I combined that with what the Gold Project has exposed me to. And I said, you know what? There is a niche here that I want to tap into that I feel hasn't been tapped into. And that is coaching women on their chastity, right? Like just human sexuality in general. And specifically with like things that I've dealt with, I know that real women out there are dealing with, right? Porn addiction, masturbation addiction, um, sexual abuse, et cetera, et cetera. Like having sex out of marriage. Let's get real here. Like these are things that are happening out in the world, even to really good Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and then dating goodness, because I was, I had been so broken when I was little growing up. Um, I had, I knew that I had desires because I felt attracted to men and I wanted to get married, but I just didn't know how they were manifesting because there was a lack of a, a deep lack of self-awareness. And so I find such joy in helping women discover themselves in a whole new way. And granted, sometimes there's a there's a bit of pain there, right? Knowing that there's yes. these layers no yes. yeah, that we haven't dealt with. But there's so much glory, so, so much glory. Um, And just real quick, you know, like I, after the culture project, like I became a woman's school strategist, like I mentioned before. And prior to that, like I had done a lot of work on myself. Um, I met, I encountered Jesus in 2015, from 2015 to about 20, mid 2020, like I was doing as much as I could. Right. And you can only really do as much as you can as a single woman. Um, And then you step into like the dating and discernment phase and you're like, well, there's a whole lot more. (laughs) (laughs) but we'll kind of pause there we'll pause there as I became a woman's school strategist and hired my own strategist to help me and guide me in my journey toward wholeness that is when I discovered that um I wasn't merely sexual sexually abused like I think for a long time sexual abuse just kind of like hung over my head and I was like yeah I fall under this category. Like that makes a lot of sense to me, but the Lord just made it so much more specific for me. He's like, he was giving me language. And so finally he gave me the word rape. And Mm -hmm. that for me was huge because it equipped me to then understand, granted again, very painful. I had to like be walked very gently to that realization. Um, And I'm so grateful for the people that have walked with me. But it equipped me to have greater freedom in deciding than, okay, what am I going to be doing with this, right? Like, and so then I designed a season of healing and I, and I went to Phoenix. I like packed my bags from Los Angeles, which is where I was living. And then I, I went to Phoenix and I, for six months, designed my season of healing there. Um, Why Phoenix? The desert. So yeah, Hosea, I think it's Hosea 216. Yes, it is Hosea. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Where the Lord is like, I will lure her into the desert and speak kindly and tenderly to her, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, Lord, I know, I know you're speaking about Mother Church here, but like, you, I also know you're but speaking also, about me. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And so that just like gave me enough courage to say, you know what, I'm gonna do this for myself. But that is the moment. That was a pivotal moment for me when I knew that this was greater than just my desire to want to build a family, which is good and holy, of course, but it was my desire to change generations. Mm. Um, I wanted to help others do the same. And that was going to take a lot of courage because I had been so attached to my mom. I say this, I say this very transparently because I think one of the effects that um, kind of is incurred by living in a one-parent household, right? My mom was a single parent for a long time. Unfortunately, she was cheated on by my stepfather, um, had me out of wedlock. So she kind of landed in this circumstance, um, trying to, you know, be the main breadwinner for me and my brother and also form us to the best of her ability. 
but there was a there was a very kind of an unnatural emotional enmeshment that was then um, created between her and I because I was kind of like her pseudo spouse in some way, like mm-hmm. trying to parent my brother and trying to also make space for her emotionally. So this happens a lot with women that come from my background and sometimes we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. So for me to then go from Los Angeles to Phoenix and say, mom, it's taking so much to pack my bags and leave you, but I need to do it. And I actually had a moment with her where I looked her in the eyes and she is so good. She looked at me back and I was like, I need to hear from you that it is okay for me to leave and that you will be okay. (laughs) And so she, she actually said that to me because she knew that I needed to do this. Why? Because my, I was not the only one who was a rape survivor under that, in that household, Elizabeth. Mm. My mom also, unfortunately was sold to a drug Lord by Mm her second oldest sister at 14 and she was raped by him. So this goes long and it goes deep, right? Which is a story of many of us. Um, And I love talking about generational woundedness because I think it's out of those unredeemed wounds that we begin to make choices for the men that we are to date and then potentially marry. Um, And the way that we see our sexuality, like our self image. And that's a space where I'm like, oh, like I just have so much tenderness for women because I've been there, I'm still there. And so it's through the wisdom that I've accrued in doing the hard work of healing and redemption um, that I now feel more equipped to hold other women by the hand and say, let's do this girlfriend. (laughs) Wow, that is powerful. So let's talk a little bit more about this generational woundedness idea. Um, I know you mentioned just now, and you and I have talked about how this is a big passion of yours, specifically related to sexuality um, and empowering people, women, to break free from this toxic cycle of kind of perpetuating these unhealthy habits, you know, Um, like you were born out of wedlock to a single mama, but that is not going to be your child's story whenever you, you know, whenever you get married and have a baby. So let's, let's just kind of talk about that area of passion for you and anything that you um, have to any listeners who are in a similar situation to you in your upbringing. Yes. So, okay. So what, what the Holy Spirit is bringing up to mind right now is um, first off, you know, self-awareness or lack of self-awareness is going to be the first prison that we kind of break from. So Mm. when, and it is a grace, it is a grace. And that grace comes through in a moment. It comes through people. It comes through therapy. It comes through coaching. Like God uses anything and everything really. It comes through mothers, like (laughs) praise the Lord for mothers um, and fathers, good fathers as well. Um, what the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind right now is, at least in my experience, vows, curses, and agreements were big. Um, there are, when we see these patterns over and over and over in our family, in our family lineage, there is bound to be somewhere, somehow, some vows, curses, and agreements made, um, whether we know it or not. Um, an example, right? In my experience with my father, Uh, My father was actually my perpetrator for those that don't know my story. Um, He was my rapist as well. And so he had me actually promise him that I wouldn't date anyone until he allowed me to. And I had no idea that that was something that was actually keeping me from freely 
entering into um, a relationship of discernment with a man who is actually good and holy and like Catholic. And so once I, during my season of healing in Phoenix, I did all of that where I like walked with someone through, um, I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with Unbound. And for those Mm -hmm. who are not familiar with Unbound, you can look it up. Um, I think it was, it's Neil Lozano or Matt Lozano. I'm forgetting his name. I know his last name is Lozano. It's Um, Neil. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Look it up. So good. I'll Um, link it in the show notes. Yes. Someone who was, is trained in that walked me through becoming aware of those vows, agreements, and curses that, um, were in my subconscious mind, were somehow hidden in my story. And I need to kind of like bring them out to the light more. Um, and it gave me greater freedom, you know? And so that combined with, rewiring my self-image and becoming more aware of my thoughts about these spaces of my life that came through coaching and my coaches. Um, I also was, or have been professionally trained by Metanoia Catholic Coaching Academy, which everyone should look up. I'm so grateful for them. That has equipped me and allowed for me to then um, feel like I can stir, I can steer, excuse me, my life's direction in a different way. I don't have to keep going in the same way that my parents have or my grandparents have. Because something that I really, I really was so grateful for Christopher West underlying this and making it known. Um, we watched a movie at TOB2. I'm forgetting the name now. Oh, it's it was a about Oh yes, it's a secret. Okay, it's a secret. Basically, it kind of underlined uh, generational woundedness and how we tend to kind of vomit on each other. Uh-huh. Um, and if, if we don't heal, guess what? Like, right, wounds that are not transformed, they're transmitted. And so there was a lot of forgiveness needed to needing to take place in my heart um, for my ancestors' past. They don't even know that I was mad at them, but I was like, so I was so mad at them for having me be in this place um, of great hurt because of decisions that they've made, um, to put it quite frankly. So entering into that forgiveness has given me great, great freedom. Thanks be to God. I love that line. You just said wounds that are not transformed are transmitted. (laughs) Amen. That is powerful. And for all of us who are discerning marriage, well, y'all I'm married, but for all of y'all who are discerning marriage, who are listening. Um, and even of course, those who are married, who are having children, that just the reality of, if you don't do this hard work, then those wounds are going to be passed on to the next generation. I, and that hard work of forgiveness to healing and forgiving. Um, okay. So I don't know if it's possible to touch briefly on this topic, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to touch briefly on this topic. <laughs> being mindful of the time you had mentioned pornography earlier. Yes. And I think that this is one of those things. Um, obviously we know maybe, maybe not obviously what we know through, through research and, and other things is that pornography is one of the biggest, maybe the biggest, harm to marriages right now there. It is so prolific. It is everywhere. And I think so many people assume it's just a guy thing. Maybe not now, maybe not at this point in, in the culture in the world. I don't know. Maybe it's obvious that it's women too, but I think that it, um, it's a lot harder for women to own that pornography and masturbation is a part of their story, but you are very brave in being open about the fact that that's something that you struggled with. So I would just love to for you to talk a little bit about how working through that and becoming free from the enslavement of 
pornography and masturbation, um, how that can help you to date in a more free way. Yes. Okay. So God help me being brief. You and I love to talk. <laughs> we do love to talk. <laughs> okay. So I'll just start really briefly as to when I was exposed to porn and how that really influenced, um, you know, my dating life. So my first porn exposure was actually when I was about four, someone asked yeah. me to take, um, one of those, it was more of a manly romance novel to my uncle who was in the backyard and from the front from the front steps of the porch to the backyard I literally just I didn't even make it actually I I went into my room and I began to like go through the pages and someone caught me and I remember feeling so much shame so from that point were you reading it I was looking at images okay wow I was looking at the images I know before right it's like you know yes it's different you're intrigued by it right and it's a good thing to be intrigued by it it's just we need some guidance to help us understand the mystery behind it and how to respond. Yes. Yes. And then around my teenage years before my father came into the picture, cause I didn't grow up with my biological father. Um, again, for those that are not familiar with my story, he entered my life at 13 and then began to sexually abuse me. But before that I was uh, very much watching scenes in movies, uh, impressing uh, rewind and then play rewind and then play. And so that was, I think I've noticed that a lot of women, um, are much more inclined to watch that kind of, of pornography <laughs> to be quite honest. It's true. And, and you don't even realize yes. it's pornography until mm-hmm. later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then my father came into my life and he introduced me more to, to uh, pornography that was a lot more explicit, um, mm. in some ways. And, um, yeah, and not very hidden um, in kind of the romantic kind of way, as, you know, we just mentioned that women have this inclination. So um, it became a lot more obvious to me, like what it was and why I was arousing. But I will be even more honest with you guys, because I think that when someone is honest and open and brave, like it gives permission to people to do the same thing. Um, The kind of porn that my father exposed me to was like same same sex pornography, specifically with like the gender of of females, you know, like women, Mm. women. And so that was wired into me. And after um, I did away with my father and like closed that door that was still in my brain. And so there was this sort of like question in my mind, am I experiencing same sex attraction? Like, why is it that when I watch pornography, I'm watching, I'm looking up like what we call on the internet, lesbian pornography, right? Like, and there was so much confusion as to my identity. Um, and I had to do a lot of work in, in, in that space, But once, you know, some of me was redeemed, um, you know, and I went to a retreat called Grief to Grace, had EMDR therapy, did as much as I could. Um, I then began to date intentionally, um, looking for a potential spouse and experiencing all these beautiful things. But that porn, that porn addiction kind of came through and manifested, manifested itself in one of two ways. It was either I was afraid of my desires and, and like losing control. And so in some way I was kind of living like a stoic, 
Mm. I was living kind of like a stoic, you know, it's like, oh no, I have to like dissociate myself from this part of my body Mm -hmm. and my brain and my heart. And then on the other end, I was living like an addict. Mm -hmm. And so I became what you call a sex addict and having sex with men from online dating apps that were like kind of secular. And so, um, all of that combined, um, I had a moment where I was like, you know what? I don't think that this is what Jesus wants for me because it doesn't feel like wholeness. And mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't really know where to start. Sometimes it can feel really messy. And I just want to say to all the women that are listening and are feeling like, where the heck do I start then? Mm-hmm. Uh, I give you permission to fully be in that moment and like <laughs> and like let the Lord just like like embrace you because it can feel like a lot. Um, and so anywho just kind of underlying how it manifested through my dating life, I would say I was either a stoic Elizabeth or I was an addict. And that I think springboards me right into my next question of how has theology of the body played a role in your life? (laughs) Because both (laughs) you and I have that same analogy, the stoic and the addict analogy from Christopher West. Um, That, I mean, both of us heard it. I mean, I now work for the Institute, but way before I worked for them, um, (laughs) I was given that kind of language and, um, and the third option, you know, there's the stoic who represses desire. There's the addict who indulges mm-hmm. desire. But then the third option is truly that whole Christian that opens that desire to the Lord and allows yes. him to rush in to mm-hmm. that beautiful, passionate place of your heart and show you that he's what you're really longing for. So how has theology of the body played a role in your life and your story? And how do you think it can be helpful for other people who find themselves in similar situations of sexual abuse or pornography or sexual promiscuity, any of these things that you've been talking about? Yes. Okay. So beautiful. I, I love this question. Um, and you know what? It's very fresh in my mind because I, I did TOB one in June and then TOB mm-hmm. two in November. So yep. hey, just you. <laughs> yes. So great. So, yes. So I would answer that question in two ways. One of them would be um and really getting to know what it is to be a woman and getting to know what it is to be, in my case, Kiki, and in your case, you, you know what does that mean? I had a moment in TOB1 where I was very raw and vulnerable with Christopher. And if maybe some of my uh, my classmates are listening to this from TOB1, they're probably going to know who it was now. But I could not get myself to ask Christopher this in front of everyone because I knew I was going to like just be a water fountain and start crying and not be, be able to stop. So I said, I'm going to write him a little note and leave it on his podium and he's going to read it because I know he will because his classes are there and he's always needing his glasses to read his, <laughs> his stuff. <laughs> so I, I said to him, um, this is one of the questions that was just like, I was struggling with this, Elizabeth. I had come so far, but this was like, I don't know how to answer this. Um, you know, my father being my rapist and, um, was really hard for me, obviously for obvious reasons, but like talking about the body and the redemption of the body, right? Like I look, I would look in the mirror and and I still am going through this, but looking in the mirror and feeling like I see my father, like I see my rapist in the mirror because I look a lot like him and then looking in the mirror and seeing my mother which in in my mind is like that's the reason why I was raped because I looked like her and Mm -hmm. he found me he found me to to look like her and so he wanted me in that way in that disordered way and so I was like Christopher how how 
Do I not feel trapped like in my body? How do I redeem my beauty? Um, how do I redeem my sexuality? Like, how do I redeem my body? And asking him that, um, he, he was so good about being so subtle and like interlacing his answer into the class, <laughs> um, just like his session. So praise the Lord for that. But I would say that it helped me that TLB one helped me to better integrate um, what it is to be woman in my life um, and not be afraid of also like letting my story be the context in which I see things through because God wants to he, he wants to receive all of us. He's not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid of the pain. And because we can't be reading TOB books and being like, all right, like, well, God thinks that, that the body is good, that sexuality is good, and then exclude the painful parts of our past from, right. from that, you know? So I had to get real up close and personal. And the fact that Christopher created this beautiful space for me to feel comfortable enough to ask him this. And then afterward, he finds me in the cafeteria, gives me a kiss on the forehead, and I break down and I start crying, not because the kiss was painful, but because I was just so touched by his father, his fatherliness, um, his fatherhood, excuse me, his fatherhood. It just was so moving to me. It's something that I had never experienced, the purity of his love. And so I was like, Lord, thank you for Christopher. Thank you so much for Christopher Lord. So that would be one to get getting to know what it means to be woman, right? Um, what it means to be you in the context of your story, in the context of where we're going, what we call the triptych mm-hmm. <laughs> in TOP. Do you want to talk a little bit about that just like really briefly so people just, know what Yeah, that just briefly. Um, one of the things John Paul II does in Theology of the Body is he frames God's design for our humanity in these three ways, where we come from, where we are now, and where we're going. And so we call that the triptych. Yes, beautiful. Okay, and then the second part to that answer would be, we cannot be redeemed without one another. And so as, we, as we're as we doing this redemptive work in ourselves, we know that it's not a selfish thing. Sometimes we can be so stuck in feeling like, oh no, like I'm just working on my, like focusing on myself. No, like I needed, I needed to unapologetically design a season of my life and safeguard that with my life to be able to then be in a place of contribution and giving um, for other people. And this is why I'm now able to walk with women, you know, but all of that to say is that we men and women, we reflect who one another is, you know, Mm -hmm. like why we're here. And that is a mystery to be lived. And we cannot do that unless we understand who we are toward each other. Right. Um, so this is, this kind of touches a little bit on like, how can we help like undo the residual kind of outcome of the sexual revolution where it tells us that men are to be done away with and that women are superior in some way. It's like, no, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And we women need to be the ones that are like redeeming men and vice versa. We need to help each other get to heaven. So (laughs) we'll kind of end it there. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, the last question I'm going to ask you is what is one practical tip related to this idea of courage and pursuing freedom and wholeness that someone who's discerning marriage can implement in their life right now? Okay. So I would say asking yourself, who are my current 
do I have anyone who is guiding me um, in life, you know, mentors? Who are my role models? Who do I admire? When I look mm. at their life, I'm like, whoa, how do they get there? Okay, then you reverse engineer uh, according to God's will for your life. <laughs> so, because one time I think, I actually think I listened to your podcast. You had someone who has a very similar story to me, except she's a white, a white, a beautiful white woman um, from this other ministry. Anyway, she literally took on like three jobs in order to be able to pay for therapy and moved across the country or made in his image. Is that, I think, I think it was her actually. Um, anyway, it just inspired me, inspired me to be brave and courageous. So I would say finding who your current guides are, your mentors and your role models, who do you admire? And also who has gone before you and how can you in some way find their journey as a, um, as a blueprint for you. And so that is those are my takeaways. <laughs> I love it. That is so beautiful. Kiki, every time I talk to you, I am so struck by your courage. You are Praise so brave. You're so brave. And I found <sighs> you on Instagram you. first and your Instagram handle is Kiki the brave. And then I met you and I was like, there's nothing more perfect. I don't, I don't know that I've <laughs> ever met someone as brave as you with all of this suffering that you have gone through. You have entered so beautifully into the heart of Christ. And I don't see a bitterness in you. And that feels mm-hmm. like I, that, just, that feels like a literal miracle that you have been through so much, but you have surrendered it to the Lord and worked so hard to heal that now you're able to speak from, you're able to speak truth from this place of redemption. And obviously you're still on the journey. We're all still always on the journey, but you just, you've just, <laughs> just so courageously embarked on this journey. I just, I'm so grateful for you sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. And I pray that it blesses other women. And for those that want to be, want, they want to be friends with me, maybe on Instagram, you guys can find me on at Kiki the brave. Um, yeah. And we can be, I will link it for sure. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you, Elizabeth, for this time. You're such a gift. Thank you so much, Kiki. You are also a gift. God bless you. God bless. Hope you all enjoyed this chat with Kiki. My goodness, that woman is, like I said, just so brave every time I hear her story and I hear more pieces of her story. I'm just amazed at um, the work that God has done in her life. And it fills me with so much hope that he can do so much good, beautiful work in all of our lives. So she referenced a lot of things in that podcast, um, and I'm going to do my best to link all of them. If I miss anything, feel free to message me and I'll get it to you, but I'm going to try to link everything that she talked about um, and also where to find her if you're interested. So if you enjoyed this, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone that you are it think would like this work that we're doing. Um, please share it and find me on Instagram at discerning marriage and check out the YouTube videos on the TOB Institute YouTube channel. And I think that's it. Um, I, as always, love being here with you. And until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the Theology of the Body, visit tobinstitute.org.